She's to be honored as a servant of God, as a worshiper of God, as one who walks with God and seeks to please her Lord. Earlier in the chapter, when we were talking about the adorning of the woman, uh, we, we said it's, it's not that outward adorning, but the hidden man of the heart. Her soul, her spiritual life, her fellowship with her Savior, that's the important part. Now, you wouldn't deny your wife clothing. You wouldn't deny her certain jewelry. You wouldn't deny her certain normal basics of life. But don't forget about her soul. Don't forget about her prayer life and her devotion life. Don't forget about her walk with God. Welcome to Let the Bible Speak. This is Ian Gallagher, pastor of our Free Presbyterian Church, Cloverdale, British Columbia. And today we continue with husbands. Husbands, honor your wives in all things. 1 Peter 3, verse 7. We began this message yesterday, but it's such a subject that we need to return to it. So I trust you'll stay tuned with us as we come to the message. Firstly, just a few thoughts on the Psalm number 18. It's been said that if you want to be wise, read the Proverbs. If you want to be holy, read the Psalms. The Psalms are good theology, but they must be from the heart, for they are a part of a man's worship. They are filled with truth that leads us into the sanctuary to seek God, to pray to Him and praise Him. It's a kind of medicine for the soul. The Psalms are a message of reality in sighs, cries, tears, and praises of genuine pilgrim saints. They are for the tried saint when alone in sorrow and suffering. They are also for the church, written for the chief musician. The Greek word psalmoi, which meant a poem to be sung to a stringed instrument, and that was, word was used when the Hebrew was translated into the Septuagint Greek in the, about 300 B.C. Fifty-five of these psalms are addressed to the chief musician. Where Nigonoth is attached to them, they are for the accompaniment by the, the lyre or harp, stringed instruments. But more than praises, they are also prayers. In Psalm 72.20, it says, The prayers of David, the son of Jesse, are ended. Here in the Psalm 18, we have the timing of this psalm. It was at the death of Saul and the Philistines and of Goliath's brothers when they were destroyed, although they were the enemies of David. And it was also at the end of David's life. Second Samuel 23 is the final chapter of David's life. And some believe that David wrote this Psalm 18 in his youth and refined it again and again throughout his life. Now, the evidence of our growth is that we praise God for every victory along our lives. We have here also David's triad of I wills. He said, I will love the Lord. He said, I will call upon the Lord, and I will trust my buckler and the horn of my salvation and my high tower. And so we have here David's personal affection. I will love thee. 
you have his personal continuation. I will trust and his personal intercession. I will call upon the name of the Lord. I hope that you take those three principles and apply them to your life, that you will love the Lord, that you will trust the Lord, and that you will call upon the name of the Lord. Go to the Psalm 18, read these verses for yourself, and there you will learn much that will help you in your own prayer life and devotional life. Thank you for joining with us. We're turning now to our message on husbands from 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 7. Number three, how to dwell with your wife as the weaker vessel. You'll notice what it says here, verse, as unto the weaker vessel. Firstly, notice that both vessels are weak. The husband's a weak vessel also. It just happens that the wife is the weaker vessel. And I think Peter's allusion here is to pottery, the vessel that's made out of clay. And every vessel, every pot is in, 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 in likelihood weakness. It's a weak pot, easily damaged, easily broken. Men are no different. They're subject to high fevers and flus and sicknesses and disease and depression and troubles and trials, hurts and injuries, just as much as the wife, but she is the weaker vessel. Now, how do you dwell with the weaker vessel as a loving, honoring husband? Well, first thing, you should value and honor her femininity. After all, that's why you married her. What was it that you attracted you to this woman? It was her femininity. If she had been a plowman, you wouldn't have wanted to marry her. It was the very fact that her wrist was about half the thickness of yours that you considered her to be your wife. That her frame is smaller. That her very constitution is weaker. And of course, there are some women who enjoyed tremendous good health, maybe better health than the husband. But women, by and large, have health issues that men know nothing about. Bearing children, pregnancies, complications with that, after effects of that, depression from that. These are issues that you have to recognize your, husband, your wife's femininity. And the thing that you prized when you wanted to marry this woman, you continue to prize. You continue to recognize that you are married to this weaker vessel. You also honor and value her sensitivity. Her senses are more keen than yours. Now, this works for good, and sometimes it works for evil. A woman is very perceptive, much more perceptive than men. Do you ever notice that women are good at multitasking? They can do two, three, four things at once. Looking after children, answering the phone, answering the door, and thinking about something else that should be organized for later in the day. That, that's a woman's gift. A man can't hardly do that. Give me a book and I, the world could fall apart. I could sit at a desk with a keyboard and start writing something and I would just lost it, having a clue what else is going on around me. But a woman can do both. And she will pick up attitudes, 
little indicators that a man will be blind to. The woman is more sensitive, more keen in this area. Acute to people's criticisms as well. Things that run like water of a duck of a man will hurt a woman and grieve her and cause her concern. Maybe little things about the children. The father will say, ah, looks normal to me. But the mother notices there's something not right here and is concerned about it. Then, of course, we have to value her gentleness. The weaker vessel means that by nature she's gentle and expects gentleness. When I think of this weaker pot or clay vessel, I think of how a gardener uh, who uses pots to grow flowers and vegetables and things, and when he sees that this pot is frail, it's old now, it's, it's got the hairline cracks in it, wouldn't take much to knock it and, and make it fall apart. The gardener will carry that around with two hands. He'll not bump it down and, and, and just knock it against the next uh, brick wall. No, he'll take, deal with it gently. And then the other pot that's new and sturdy, he'll roll it around and put it in place. He's not as careful. But the frail, weaker vessel pot, he'll treat carefully. And men, we need to remember that when it comes to dealing with our wives. The weaker vessel, easy to hurt, easy to offend, easy to discourage. We need that gentleness. Now, this all comes under the heading of submission. Likewise, ye husbands. Likewise. Like our Lord Jesus. Like the one who endured on the cross. He bore the agony for his church. What are husbands to do? We're to love our wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself for her. That's the example that is given to us. Let me read to you. You probably know these verses, but I think, man, we need to, we need to know these verses. Husbands, love your wives, even as Christ loved the church and gave himself for it, that he might sanctify and cleanse it with the washing of water by the word, that he might present it to himself a glorious church, not having spot or wrinkle or any such thing, but that it should be holy and without blemish. So, so, that's our example, that's our cue, so ought men to love their wives as their own bodies. He that loveth his wife loveth himself. Now, there's God's manual for marriage. There's God's pattern for us men to handle weaker vessels, as Peter alludes to here. We need to be the man. We need to be the Christian man. We need to be the gentleman that we need to be. So, there's three now. Number four. How to dwell with your wife as heirs together of the grace of life. We're back to verse 7 here. We're about two ways, two-thirds way through that verse. Uh, this is the next point that Peter mentions. Dwelling together as being heirs together of the grace of life. Now, this grace of life, of course, is the gospel. It's eternal life. It is salvation. It is fellowship with God. It is all that we enjoy as believers, as Christians in the Lord Jesus. And what a difference that makes. And man, if you have a Christian wife, you rejoice tonight. A wife in whom dwells the Holy Spirit, 
a wife who loves the Word of God, a wife who wants to please her Lord, were to dwell together as heirs of the grace of life. Your wife is an heir of the kingdom of God. She has all the riches of Christ to her account. She is a king's daughter. Did you know that? You married a king's daughter when you married a Christian wife. And she's an heir of a spiritual kingdom. And the Apostle Peter makes this a high motivation for a certain kind of behavior, a behavior from the Christian husband. Your wife is much more than flesh, much more than just a body, more than a servant, more than a domestic to do chores and various tasks. She's to be honored as a servant of God, as a worshiper of God, as one who walks with God and seeks to please her Lord. Earlier in the chapter, when we were talking about the adorning of the woman, uh, we, we said it's, it's not that outward adorning, but the hidden man of the heart. Her soul, her spiritual life, her fellowship with her Savior, that's the important part. Now, you wouldn't deny your wife clothing. You wouldn't deny her certain jewelry. You wouldn't deny her certain normal basics of life. But don't forget about her soul. Don't forget about her prayer life and her devotion life. Don't forget about her walk with God. Don't make her suffer spiritually just so that you might have privileges in those areas. And we husbands are to be ministers in the home to our wives. And our role is to encourage and build up and to see our wife grow in grace and in the knowledge of the Lord Jesus. And this gives us a ministry, a ministry in our own home, in our own family. And just as the wife with an husband has a mission, uh, an unsaved husband, she has a mission to win him. That was her mission. You now, as a Christian husband, if you're married to a Christian wife, you have a mission to see her grow, blossom and bloom for the Lord. Now, let's get practical here. How can you do that? It's one thing to say, well, I, I think I would like to do that, but how do you do it? And are you doing it? Let's go down the list here. First of all, the Christian man who's dwelling together with his wife as an heir of the grace of life, he'll talk to her about the Lord. You see, this is all about dwelling together. It's, it's time together. It's fellowship together. And your conversation is going to be about the Lord shouldn't just be about paying the bills and getting through the daily chores. The Lord is the focus of conversation. He will read the Bible with his wife, talk over the Bible. He will pray with her. He will rehearse the dealings of the Lord with his own soul. If there's anybody you're going to talk to about the Lord, it's going to be your spouse. I had a great day with the Lord today. I felt the joy of the Lord. I felt his voice speaking in my heart as I read the word. I want to share this verse with you. I want to show you what the Lord promises here. My, that brings real joyful meaning in a Christian home. A husband will also seek his, help his wife seeking to be a witness. Maybe she has her circle of friends and other acquaintances, and she's trying to witness to them. 
And she'll come home and say, well, boy, I, I tried to say a word, but I couldn't get it out. I, and I don't think I said it right. Uh, what else could I have done? And you try to encourage your wife to be a, a witness. And you worship together at home, and you come together to God's house. Wouldn't it be a sad thing to leave your wife at home and come out to God's house unless there was a sick child or something? Now, we have nurseries galore in this church. There's a nursery here for mums to sit with their children. There's a nursery downstairs. There's a foyer, and there's a back row there that we try to reserve for parents with children. We try to leave no excuse. We want everyone to come as a family. We want, we want the wife to enjoy the word of the Lord as much as the husband. Now, let me ask you, and I haven't really applied this very much yet, and husbands, we have to look one another in the eye and answer this. Are we doing these things? Are we dwelling together with our wives according to knowledge? Are we doing all we can that we bless and build up our wife and encourage her and help her? And I have to come back again to the TV. It's one of the biggest challenges of the Christian life these days. We have a society and a culture that is cursed by Hollywood worship. And it has robbed the precious time of normal Christian living. Now, I'm going to be up front. We have a television in our home. We do not have cable. We will watch certain things. But I would be a sinner. If I spend hours and hours glued to a television watching Hollywood productions, neglecting my wife, I would be failing. Now, we have another thing in our home that's equally a problem, and that's a computer connected to internet. And then there's another device called a phone, a smartphone, whatever it is. There's certain things you have to say no to. Now, I'm going to smile here. Beulah does not want me tripping after her like a little puppy dog at home. She'd probably say to me, Ian, would you get out of my hair? I'm in the kitchen. I'm busy. Just get on with something else. I'm not advocating husbands to be wimps or absolute play-doh to their wives. I'm advocating that we use some common sense and avoid the pitfalls of so many broken marriages. So many hurting marriages. So many wives that are grieved and live in constant grief with the conviction that they're just abandoned, left, without due care. And something else is going to happen this month. Uh, multiplied thousands and perhaps millions of times are hockey widows. Men that will get so caught up in the hockey that their wives will be neglected until that whole thing is over. It happens. And young men, if you were to plan to be married, you'd have to realize that there may have to come a decision. Are you going to have a wife or, or hockey? Might come down to that. Because you cannot, you cannot make your wife a hockey widow and abandon her and fulfill what the Word of God teaches of dwelling together according to knowledge as heirs together of the grace of life. Now, there's one more thing to go, and my time is quickly going, and that is 
how to dwell with your wife, avoiding hindrances to prayer. Peter deals with that at the end of verse 7, that your prayers be not hindered. Prayer in the Christian home, of course, here by Peter is taken for granted. He assumes that all husbands and wives pray together. And then he says you have to be careful that you don't allow certain things to become a hindrance. Now, what would that hindrance be? When there's friction, ugliness, words, an argument. It's hard to have an argument with your spouse, and then at a set time in the evening, get down and pray as if nothing happened. You can't do it. Friction, ugly discussions, wrong words, strife, wrath or anger perhaps, will destroy your prayer life as husband and wife. That's why Paul said, let not the sun go down on your wrath. Wrath will always uphold or withhold prayer. You lose the promise of Matthew 18, 19, where two or three are gathered together in my name, there am I in the midst of them. You lose the promise of God's presence. The Holy Spirit will be grieved. He'll be gone. And therefore, wisdom says, guard your prayer life. Guard your family prayer life with your wife, that nothing during the day spoils your friendship, your fellowship, careless words, wrong attitudes, a smart aleck comment that grieves your wife, and you end up at the end of the day hindered in prayer. And of course, the devil, the old schemer, he's always out to destroy that happy, sweet relationship that you become prayerless and careless. And it might even be on the way to the prayer meeting. The devil's so crafty. On the way to the prayer meeting, you get into the car at whatever time it takes you to arrive at church, you talk things over, and you have words in the car on the way to the prayer meeting. And you get in through the doors of the church, and that's kind of a sigh of relief just to get a bit of freedom for a moment or two, and you get into the prayer meeting, you sing a hymn, you hear a message, and you get down to pray. Oh, I can't pray. I can't pray. You see, Peter warns us here that the devil goes about like a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. What are we to do about that? Whom resists steadfast in the faith? Don't allow the devil to rob you and destroy your prayer life the sweetness of it, the power of it, and of course the Holy Spirit who enables you to pray. Now last week I ended our message on preaching to wives from the book of Proverbs. If you remember, a few Proverbs on, you remember that wife that was the constant drip? Uh, the wife that was cantankerous? A brawling wife, it's better to dwell in an attic than in a large house with a brawling wife. We, we, we looked at some of those verses from Proverbs. Now, to balance this, unless somebody says, hey, and you, you, you just didn't give it to the men the way you gave it to the, the, the women. Let's, let's just end the meeting tonight, or this message tonight, with, and this is the message to the wise husband. Dwelling with your wife according to knowledge, Peter says. 
So the wise husband firstly will value his wife. And Proverbs says, who can find a virtuous woman? For her price is far above rubies. Secondly, the wise husband will see her as the gift of God. Proverbs 19:14. House and riches are the inheritance of fathers, and a prudent wife is from the Lord. Whoso findeth a wife findeth a good thing, and obtaineth favor from the Lord. The wise husband will also want to see his husband bloom, treat her as a flower. And here's what Proverbs 5:18 says: Let thy fountain be blessed, and rejoice with the wife of thy youth. And then the last one, the wise husband will want to see his wife be a blessing. Proverbs 31, her children rise up and call her blessed, her husband also, and he praiseth her. I call this message the wise husband. The message to the women was the submissive wife, the willing wife. Here is the wise husband, and he'll be known by how he treats his wife, dwelling with her according to knowledge, recognizing that she's the weaker vessel, also recognizing that she's the king's daughter, dwelling with her as heirs of the grace of life, and doing everything to guard the prayer life, lest your prayers be hindered. So much of true religion starts in the home, and it's a true statement that a church will only be as strong as the families that make up that congregation. Men, if you want to do your greatest work for God, start being the wise husband, dwelling with your wife according to knowledge. Miss that, and you'll be of no use anywhere else in the work of God. This is your first priority as a married man with the responsibilities as a husband. Young men, you plan to serve God, you plan to do something for God, whether it's in the local church or the mission field, and you plan to be married, this is a first priority. A first priority. Miss this. Dismiss this. And forget about serving God anymore. That's the language of Peter. Thank you for joining with us on the program. I really appreciate you taking the time to join with us, and I trust that the Lord's Word today has been special to your heart. If I can be of personal help, make sure you give me a call. Now stay tuned for the announcements, and remember to take down these details that you may order CDs, magazines, or interest in our church. May the Lord bless you. Until tomorrow, when again we let the Bible speak. This broadcast comes to you today from the Free Presbyterian Church in Cloverdale, located at 187 Avenue, Surrey, at the corner of 188th Street and 58th Avenue. On our website you can find gospel articles, links to our sermons, and our gospel booklet called A New Beginning. 
There you can find a link to our Sunday services that are broadcast online. For all this information, please go to our website at cloverdealfpc.ca. You're warmly invited to attend any of our Sunday services at 10.30am and 6pm to meet with us as we worship God and to hear the preaching of his precious word. We also meet for Bible study and prayer at 7.30pm every Wednesday evening. Our Sunday School for Children and Adult Bible Class meet every Lord's Day from September to June at 9.30am. You can contact us using our office number which is 604-576-1091. Alternatively, you can email me at pastor.cloverdealfpc at gmail.com. Again, for all this information, please go to our website at cloverdealfpc.ca. Our burden is that you will hear and understand the gospel that will lead you to know the Lord Jesus Christ and his great salvation. And this is Pastor Andrew Fitton. Thank you for listening today. And be sure to listen Monday to Friday at 5 a.m. and 5 p.m. and on Sundays at 9.30 a.m. on this station for our full or church service as we worship the Lord through the ministry of his word.